Here are some stories about people telling stories about telling stories. When I was studying NLP at NLP Marin, one of my teachers was a woman called Michelle Masters. And she was, among other things, was really interested in stories and in the power of storytelling to actually create change in people's lives, uh, to create transformation, to create healing, and to give people a new framework for processing information. She just thought stories were really, really important. And I learned a lot of this stuff from her. And I concur. Like, I, I, I loved this idea and I loved the, the way that she held this. So she would teach this in many different ways. And I'm just going to give a couple examples of ways, a, a small way and a slightly bigger way, that she used stories to, to communicate with people in especially effective ways that actually produced results in those people. So here's the first story. This is the smaller one. When you are first learning NLP, one of the things you do is this thing called uh, rapport. You learn about rapport. I mean, you're actually learning about rapport the whole time you're learning NLP. But at the beginning, you learn about physical rapport. I won't go into details, but basically how to start to create rapport with someone using your body. And when you're learning that, you you just have to practice a lot. And you have to practice. It's just like a scale. It's like drills. You just have to keep practicing these, these kind of physical things till they're second nature to you, till you don't have to think about them. And it's not very interesting to the mind. And so Michelle, when she was about to teach this stuff, when she was first sending people off to practice, in NLP you go and practice in small groups and then you come back to a large group to discuss. So when she was first sending people off to practice, she would say, she would tell the story. And I'm going to speak as Michelle now telling the story. So one time I was teaching this rapport to a new group and I noticed one group of students were just talking amongst themselves and they weren't actually doing the exercise. So I walked over and I said, well, why aren't you doing the exercise? And one of the students said, oh, well, we get the point. And I said, well, no, no, no. The point is not to get the point. The point is to practice it so much that it's a completely unconscious. It comes to you completely naturally and you can do it while doing other things. So that's the point. So she would tell that story at the beginning of just before sending people off to the exercise. And it's a very brilliant intervention because what it does, it preempts that very thing from the group that she's teaching. Like, I don't know if that really ever happened. Probably it did, but it preempts it, right? So the first thing it does, is it, it preempts a way that people will fall off of the path and prevents them from doing it. Because somebody's going to say, okay, I get the point. Because it's very simple. It's a very simple thing that they're asking you to do. And at some point, someone's going to say, I get the point. But if they've heard that story, then they're going to know that that idea of like, oh, I get the point, it's kind of associated with the, the people that didn't really get it. So if you're saying that, you didn't really get it. Because you've been, you've been associated with those people in that story who, you know, she doesn't paint them as like idiots or anything, but she just paints them as people that didn't really get the point. That's the first brilliant thing it does is it preempts that. It stops people from having that objection. It stops people from, from falling off of the path in that way and it keeps them practicing. But what's really also interesting is she could have just said, hey guys, just before you start, just so you know, the point is not just to get the point. The point is to really practice it and drill it until it's second nature and you can do a bunch of other things while you're still doing it and you don't have to think about it, right? The, the thing that she says in the story, she could have said directly, but this is a, a hypnotic technique. It's very interesting. It's very clever that you embed the thing that you want to say to someone inside of a story. And what it does is it, it bypasses the relational 
interface. If I say that to you, then you are going to have a relational engagement with that idea. Like, you're telling me something. Do I agree with that? Do I not agree with that? Like, who are you to tell me what to do? Like, I don't, you know, there's like a, oh, you're giving me instructions. Like, there's a whole extra layer of relationality of my identity that's online. If you're telling me something, especially telling me to do something directly. If you tell me to do something inside of a story, that's all gone. I'm in a different mindset. I'm just listening to your story. And like, and I'm going on the right of your story. And if you're a good storyteller, I'm going to leave the story feeling the way you want me to feel. So I'm going to leave the story feeling like those people were a little bit clueless and like this idea that like, oh, I already get it. Yeah, those people. And so then when it comes to it's actually in your lived experience, you're going to keep those feelings that you had from the story in your lived experience. So keep that feeling that like getting the point is not the point. And that anyone that thinks, oh, I got the point, I don't need to do it anymore, is kind of clueless and didn't really get it. That feeling, that experience is going to stay with you and guide your actions in the real life, but, but without having to interface with your mind so much. And it's a subtle thing, but it's very, very powerful. I'll give you another example of this. This, this example is a little bit in the darker, the darker arts. I was once at a marketing seminar where the instructor, who is very sweet and very brilliant, and this is, I'm not throwing any shade. She's a friend of mine. She's very soon, very brilliant. But she used the same technique called an embedded command. She used the same technique in a, in a slightly darker way. So I'm going to tell you about that. So she does these big seminars where she's selling stuff at the back of the room. She's got like a thousand people in the room. I'm part of the, the seminars. She sends you to the back of the room and you go and sign up for a program that's, you know, costs a significant chunk of money. Very effective program, very powerful good stuff but she's doing but she uses this technique and I, and I was at one of her seminars and i saw her use this technique and it was very interesting to me if you haven't been to one of these things like that part of the idea is like there's this big energetic push towards the end of really getting everybody in the room to get to the back and sign up for this thing and this is how they work it's this kind of social proof peer pressure thing that happens very interesting study in 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 human behavior earlier in the weekend we'd done this exercise and there was this sweet little old lady i forget her name but let's call her elaine so and we'd done this kind of emotional process with elaine where we'd where we'd where the whole room had like fallen in love with elaine and she was just a sweetheart and she was so sweet and gentle gentle and so the 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 facilitator towards the end when she was getting ready to get everyone to the back of the room, she was saying, you know, one of the things, and she was teaching sales, so this it gets very convoluted, but she was teaching sales and she was selling about sales. So she was actually teaching the things that she was doing. So one of the things she did, she said, remember Elaine from yesterday? She said, you want to you wanna communicate in a way which is congruent with yourself. So you never want to be incongruent with yourself when you're doing sales. You never want to pretend to be someone you're not. So look at Elaine. Think about Elaine over here. And everyone looks at Elaine. It's like, oh, Elaine, she's so sweet. Then she, and then the, the facilitator says, can you imagine Elaine being in the front of the stage like this and selling you something by saying, get to the back of the room, motherfuckers. Get to the back of the room and sign up now or your lives will be shit. Without this program, your lives will be worth nothing. Your lives will suck and you'll die alone and miserable and unfulfilled. You fuck faces, get back there now and sign up or I'll fucking kill you, okay? So that might be like a slight exaggeration. 
in terms of the content. I don't remember if she she actually swore. And I don't remember if she literally threatened to kill us if we didn't go to the back room and sign up. This was a few years ago and, you know, memory is unreliable and um, I might be taking a couple of liberties. But the feeling was like that. Really like yelling and channeling this intense, this intense energy of rage in the character of Elaine. And the conscious mind is like, oh, this is funny and it's a good point because like Elaine would never... um, do that and and so she's making her point but the unconscious mind is just hearing the words and the energy get to the back of the room now if you don't get to the back of the room and sign up for this program your life is not going to be worth living you're not going to get the things this whole message that was really intense and i could feel in my nervous system and you know we project mom this woman is mom right like for those three days she's just she's sweet and she's in charge of everything and she just becomes mom so by the end of those three days she's doing this saying these lines you know i could feel in my nervous system the anxiety of like mom's upset with me And I should do what she wants. I could deeply feel that. And I knew I wasn't going to sign up for the program. It wasn't what I was doing in my life at that moment. But I could feel that unconscious communication. But it has this kind of plausible deniability about it. Because if she had just got up on stage and yelled that stuff, everyone would be like, fuck you. What are you? Why are you yelling at us? Like, you're not like, and this is so like transparent. Like, oh, our lives are going to be terrible if we don't sign up for your program. But because she put it inside of a story about what Elaine shouldn't do, she got away with it and no one's conscious mind was objecting or not so many people's conscious mind were objecting. Meanwhile, the unconscious mind is just taking it in and being like, oh man, mom is mad at me and I better do what she wants to make her happy. So same technique used for darkness. So I I, I mean, I don't know used for darkness, but like, yeah, a little bit of the dark arts. That's, that's another story. Now I'm going to tell you one more story about Michelle. And this is, this is kind of Michelle's superhero origin story. So deep into the, the first story happens at the beginning of the NLP training. Deep into the NLP training, she would do a weekend that's all about storytelling and metaphor. And in that weekend, she would talk about the power of transformational story. And I'm not going to go into great detail about it. But, but one of the examples she used was from her own life. There's an exercise we would do where we would you would elicit a, uh, a problem from someone. So in NLP, it's all about uh, what's the present state and what's the desired state. So what's going on with you right now that you don't like and what is it that you would like instead? And then you go away and you construct a story, a simple story, which is an allegory for the situation that that person is. But in the story, the the proxy for the 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 person who you're doing the intervention with somehow gets what they want. And so when Michelle was learning this stuff and she was first wanting to be an NLP practitioner, somebody did this with her and their story was, so she, what she wanted was to make her living doing NLP and she didn't know if she could. She didn't know if she'd be able to make a living. And so her partner, who, who I don't know who that was, but when she was learning stuff, her partner created this story for her. This is the story. It's about a little mouse. And the other mice would all go into the field and get the seeds. And they'd bring the seeds back and they would have the seeds for dinner. And this one little mouse, one day she decided that she didn't want to go to the fields to get the seeds. So what she most wanted to do with her life was to tell stories. But she was worried that then she wouldn't have enough to eat if she wasn't going to the fields and getting the seeds. 
but she trusted that it was she trusted a hot she trusted that it was the right thing and so she began to tell stories and as she told these stories the other mice would come and listen and one by one they would bring her seeds and so they would share some of the seeds that they gathered from the fields in exchange for hearing her tell these beautiful stories and it turned out that the little mouse had plenty of seeds and she never had to worry about that and she got to spend all of her days telling beautiful stories for the other mice. So that's the intervention. That's, that was the story that someone told Michelle. And then what Michelle said is, even though this was like a completely made-up story about this, this mouse in this mouse society, obviously everybody knows it was completely made up, she would find herself... When she would worry about taking a step in her career, she would find herself thinking, well, it worked for the mouse. And that would be this little mantra, this little mantra that had gotten into her mind from being told this story about this mouse. Well, it worked for the mouse. And she would say that, oh, it worked for the mouse. And she would be scared to take some next step in her life and in her career. And then she would have this thought, well, it worked for the mouse. And, you know, now this is sometime later and she has a successful career as a nlp practitioner and as a trainer so it did work for the mouse it worked for michelle as well and we you know me and my partner we were doing the training at the same time and we we learned this story and then there was a long time afterwards where we would actually use this with each other where we would kind of say well it worked for the mouse so even that like that it it became a shorthand for a particular stance a particular vision of life Right, this very simple little thing became became a an, an anchor for for a way of understanding things or a way of looking at life. And I just think that that's very, very interesting. It's very beautiful the way that stories can do that. And so that that's what I want to say about storytelling today. I hope that after listening to this that you start to notice the ways that we tell each other stories in useful and not so useful ways. Okay, be well.